Voice of St. Louis original podcast. It's time for you to get up to date in a way that saves your time. This is the St. Louis All Local from KMOX. Today is Tuesday, February 27th. I'm Michael Calhoun. Our top story this hour. Today, candidates lined up at Missouri's Secretary of State's office to make it official and file to put their names on the ballot. Definitely. Congresswoman Cory Bush says she realizes international affairs are not the top issue among her constituents. What we have in our office, the calls we get into our office, people need housing. People need their immigration, need help with their immigration status. People want help with, um, with um, the crime that's happening in the community. There are so many other needs that our community um, has. Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe is in for the Republican primary for governor. The issues are going to be, in my opinion, they're going to be crime and immigration. We're seeing how that has affected our communities from one end of the state to the other. He says you can be both conservative and also build relationships to get things done. Missouri is sick of people who are just always throwing hand grenades at each other. Missouri's four Roman Catholic bishops are urging the faithful not to sign an abortion initiative petition that is currently circulating. St. Louis Archbishop Mitchell Brozanski was joined by the bishops of Jefferson City, Kansas City, St. Joseph, and Springfield Cape Girardeau dioceses in saying the ballot initiative would legalize abortion in Missouri and remove long-standing health and safety standards for women. In addition, the bishop said in their statement approved last week, this initiative does nothing to reduce or eliminate what they call the underlying social causes for abortion and does not further a true culture of life in the state. Citizen groups are currently collecting signatures to add the proposed amendment to the November ballot. Fred Bottomer, KMOX News. A man accused of running a red light, killing a mother and daughter from Chicago outside of a concert, had restrictions added to his bond release today. 22-year-old Monte Henderson faces two counts of involuntary manslaughter and two counts of armed criminal action and was released after posting bond on Friday. The state quickly filed to have conditions placed on his release and a judge sided with the state. Henderson's new conditions of his release are that he remain under house arrest and wear a GPS monitor with the only exceptions being doctor's appointments and court hearings. He must surrender his driver's license and cannot operate a motor vehicle while on bond, and he also cannot possess a firearm or illegal substances. A preliminary hearing is also scheduled for March 29th. Outside the Carnahan Courthouse, Sean Malone, KMOX News. St. Louis City Police are now conducting an internal investigation into the leak of the footage that shows the moment that that car crashed into and ultimately killed the mother and daughter outside the concert in downtown St. Louis. The graphic video was leaked on the social media site X, formerly Twitter, Sunday evening. A suspect is at large after shooting a woman in St. Peter's last night. Corporal Barry Bales with the St. Charles County Police Department tells KMOX the victim is a woman whose condition is stable. The last that we were able to... Uh, received from the hospital is that she's stable. So uh, she underwent surgery and she's in stable condition at this time. Bale says other agencies involved in the investigation asked the identity of the suspect not be shared because it could make it more difficult to find him. 50-year-old Derek Brown of Jennings pleaded guilty in federal court today to shooting at a federal officer in 2021 at his wife's daughter's home. St. Louis and Kansas City have both appealed to the state legislature to allow for different gun laws than rural areas. That's been denied. But Kansas City Mayor Quinton Lucas says they have a municipal ordinance there that makes discharge of a firearm within city limits punishable by one year in jail. Some say that's not long enough. But rather than waiting for charges that in too many situations may not come, armed criminal action and others, we thought it was important to give our police officers a tool 
to get, first of all, guns out of the hands of people who don't need them. Lucas says, sadly, there's an omnipresence of the threat of gunfire that can erupt any time at any public event in America. KMOX heard from Senator Doug Beck about his bill to increase teacher pay as an incentive for school districts to stay in class five days a week. Professor Dr. John Turner at Missouri State University says the proposal would only increase teacher salaries by about 100 bucks a year. That's not enough to move the needle. I heard Senator Beck on, on KMOX yesterday, and I heard him put out an invitation to me to come visit with him in his office, and I immediately sent his office an email requesting that meeting, so I hope I get a chance to have a conversation with Senator Beck. Dr. Turner was a speaker at an informational meeting about four-day school weeks last night in the Fox School District. Should parents homeschooling or with private school kids be allowed tax credits? Republican State Rep Doug Ritchie says if parents choose to have their children educated somewhere other than public school, then taxes paid should go back to them. It's the subject of a bill just heard in committee in the Missouri House. The Department of Revenue would handle the details of the tax credit like they would for any other tax credit. Uh, the, the individuals that are um, receiving the benefit of the tax credit would be responsible to save the receipts should they, have, should they be audited. Credits would be capped at about $7,000, which the state spends per child. Opponents of the bill say public tax dollars collected for public schools are only supposed to be used for that purpose. Stuart McMillan, KMOX News. Brandon Crawford is a Cardinal. The Cardinals officially announced the signing of former All-Star shortstop Brandon Crawford today. President of Baseball Operations John Mozalak explains Crawford's role while stressing that Mason Wynn is the club's everyday shortstop. It was something that we had been thinking about just to make sure we had some, some depth there. But also, you know, bringing in someone with his resume and what he's been able to accomplish, we think it'll be just an, a great resource for Mason as he continues to develop. Let's you know be very clear though. This is Mason's job. We brought in Brennan to just give us that protection should something happen. In a corresponding move, infielder Buddy Kennedy has been designated for assignment in Jupiter, Florida. Matt Pauley, KMOX Sports. As the news continues on KMOX, Macy's plans to close 150 stores, 50 by year's end. The iconic department store chain became national when it purchased St. Louis-based May department stores and converted all those local names like... Now through Sunday at Famous Bar. Famous for you! Over to one name, Macy's. That's in contrast with other retailers like Kroger, which goes by 20 different local store names depending on the city. Let's talk to Neil Saunders, the managing director of Global Data, about the future of Macy's. Well, I don't think Macy's is set up for success at the moment because, look, Macy's has various strategies that it dabbles with. The truth is when you go into a Macy's store, it isn't a great experience and it hasn't been a good experience in most stores for a very long time. That's a problem and it's an issue and it's an even bigger problem that management never address this or even recognize publicly at least that there's an issue. But we have had a change of CEO. Tony Spring has come from Bloomingdale's, obviously part of Macy's. He's had great success there. He's a merchant at heart. That's where his career began almost. So we have to give him a chance and we hope that he will start enacting a turnaround. We'll start correcting many of the longstanding problems at Macy's. So I think he goes into the position with goodwill and good wishes, but he does have to make some very serious changes and those things have to come through relatively quickly. So the jury is out at the moment. Do you see them uh, going all in on uh, strip malls and big box stores and eventually just getting out of the mall side? 
Well, they've made a start. They've got some smaller stores that they've opened, but they've been doing this for a very long time. And I think they only have about 11 at the moment, which is a very, very small number. They really need to accelerate that policy if they're serious about it and identify locations that could be great for Macy's and look at malls where they're just not performing and say, look, Let's get out of these locations. Let's find new locations that serve our needs better. There's no shame in doing that, but they just need to speed up with that policy because the market is moving full tilt. Consumers are changing habits. It's constant churn in terms of how the shopper is behaving. Macy's can't afford to be too slow. It's got to move at the pace of the market. And traditionally, it just hasn't done on those smaller format stores. Coming from St. Louis, you know, Macy's uh, went national when they acquired Mako and uh, turned all of those regional uh, nameplates over to the the national Macy's brand. But I'm kind of curious. This is a fun question. You know, we're from St. Louis. So do you think that Macy's would be better off if they had left in St. Louis, your famous bar in Pittsburgh, your Kaufman's in L.A., your the Jones store, kind of like the Kroger approach? I think there's something to be said for that. I think Macy's lost a lot of goodwill when it converted those regional names. And and it really did cause locally in many of these locations a lot of consternation that these old names were disappearing. To be fair to Macy's, the difficulty it has is it's expensive to run lots of different nameplates especially if you have very different strategies at each store. What they tried to do is provide a sort of uniform experience a uniform brand, you can make sense of it in strategic terms. But the truth is, it just didn't go down very well. I think the further problem on top of that is, look, if Macy's had changed the names, it wouldn't have been liked. But if they'd have put in something in place that was great and they really took care of those stores and the communities that they traded in, I think people would have said, you know what, fair enough, this is still a pretty good shopping experience. I think the problem is they got rid of the nameplates they didn't really have a great strategy for keeping these stores, uh, you know, top of the pecking order in terms of where people wanted to shop or keeping them really interesting places and experiences. And they've just become a little bit dilapidated and sad. And that makes people a bit annoyed and, you know, a bit frustrated that Macy's came in, got rid of the nameplates and actually put something worse in place. That's not really a strategy to build loyalty. We're talking brands, I mean, here, Famous Bar, of course, but uh, in Chicago, Marshall Fields is still something they're talking about. Well, Marshall Fields is definitely one of the ones that caused a lot of upset. There are still people that want that name back. And there was an article in uh, one of the Chicago papers just the other week really lamenting the, the sort of death of Marshall Fields and slating Macy's for really not taking care of the store and just really deteriorating the experience over time. So it's a very raw nerve in Chicago. And of course, it's not just the the nameplate itself. That building is a national landmark. It's iconic. It's a real part of Chicago's history. So there's a lot of love and affection for it. And I think what Chicago residents would love to see is actually Macy's make a real go of that store and really reinvigorate it. Unfortunately, I don't really think that's on the cards, but that's what people would like. Yeah, it's that local connection here downtown St. Louis, the former May Company headquarters with the six-story famous bar on the ground floor is, is still empty. It has been for 10 years, and it's become an eyesore. Well, that that's exactly it. And it's not just that it's an eyesore and that it's empty. When you think about it, a lot of those department stores in the old days, they were big businesses. 
in a town or a city. And actually, they had a halo effect because they'd buy marketing services from local media that employ local people. They might have a degree of, of local suppliers that were needed to do various things in the store. They might buy locally from merchants. So they provided an ecosystem that really helped local communities. So the disappearance of, of the store isn't just a loss of a place to shop or the loss of a nameplate. It's actually economically detrimental to downtown areas and to the economy of, of regions. So it's a great shame that some of these stores disappeared and they just weren't made to work. Now, of course, it's not all Macy's fault. We've changed the way we shop. We all, as consumers, go to the out-of-town malls rather than go downtown. We'll go to the Target, you know, out-of-town rather than downtown shopping areas. So you can't blame Macy's for all of this deterioration. But Macy's has a responsibility, I think, for the stores it still has in many downtown locations to try and make them work for the future because you don't really want those big department stores to close down because there's a loss of economic vitality. And as you said, with the vacancy, it's very difficult to fill such big spaces. It's like, what, what do you do with them? No one wants to buy them as a department store. So do you make them into housing? Do you make them into smaller shops? How does that work? It's a big problem. I'm Michael Calhoun. Thank you for joining us. The Odyssey app is your hub for audio news in St. Louis.